player one, welcome to the Gaming History Club. My name is Gabby. Hello, and I'm JP. In today's episode, we find out how the biggest event in gaming for more than two decades was born, why it was the gaming event of the year, every year, and why it had to be laid to rest. This is the history of E3. What was E3? The Electronic Entertainment Expo, better known as E3, was the most prolific and famous trade event in the video game industry. Just to give a little bit of overview regarding what kind of event E3 is, was, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the event, game developers, publishers, manufacturers, and other industry professionals gathered to either announce, showcase, demonstrate, um, tease new games or new console or new peripherals. So you can imagine a lot of things are happening and a lot of people from the gaming industry will join E3 to enjoy this gaming convention, basically. E3 was a trade event, but you know what? I understand trade events only because I already know what E3 is, if that makes sense. Like, other trade events don't really interest me. Like, I know what, C <laughs> I know what CES is, mm. um, but again, like, E3, that was the one I always first heard of, and, you know, I guess certain people will definitely be into trade events. I imagine car enthusiasts, for yeah. example, you know, mm. so they must be people who are also very much into... Uh, trade events and uh, but you know what expos uh, exhibitions conventions um, I think it it all kind of means the same basic thing it, it is a trade event new things are being announced the hottest the latest the newest and upcoming yeah yep that's very true um, with a very few exceptions E3 was held annually in the summer at the Los Angeles Convention Center from 1995 until 2019, with a final virtual-only event held in 2021. Yes, also known as the uh, coffin in the nail. The nail in the coffin. Nail yeah. in the coffin, yes, not yes. coffin in the nail. No. That's a bit heavy, but okay. Yeah, this escalated quickly. <laughs> Let's rewind a little bit. Although not always accessible to the public, E3 brought a sense of community to the gaming world as the industry, fans, and media came together under one roof, really, once per year for an exciting three days expo, usually held in either May or June. Back when E3 was incepted in 1995, the global gaming landscape was very different to what it is now. The Super Nintendo was still the most popular home console. Woohoo! Yeah. 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 3D gaming is not yet the norm, but it was becoming obvious by now that we were heading towards a 3D revolution. Right. And the average internet speed connection was 24 kilobytes per second. Yeah. Can you imagine still working on that kind of speed? Yeah. One day? But yeah, it's 1995, so like 3D was still not like the the most normal thing. I think because we sometimes look at release dates and we're like, oh, PlayStation 1 is like 95 and I think N64 is like uh, 96. But obviously that doesn't mean that like all the 3D games are like that normal already. Everyone's playing them. It was still, yeah. I think in the arcades mostly at this point. 
Um, so they were only just, 3D games were only just becoming like good and fun and kind of fast enough to actually bother making 3D games in the first place. Um, yeah. That's true. And major gaming announcements, teasers, trailers, demos of games and home consoles were consistently reserved for refilling at E3 over the years. A lot of memorable gaming moments, um, well, both good and bad, were brought to us by E3. Crazy moments, um, Keanu Reeves creating Hyper Cyberpunk 2077 at E3 in 2019, for example. The crowd went absolutely wild for that. You're breathtaking. You're all breathtaking. <laughs> I just love seeing Keanu on that stage. He looked really happy to, to be there. Yes. And I think he was really happy that everyone else was happy that he's there. Yeah. Yeah. I that's mean true. <laughs> Yeah. People really looked forward to Cyberpunk. I mean, that that game's been in the making for so long. And then all of a sudden, there he is, Neo, John Wick himself, yeah. But you know what? That's the sweet memories. There were also painfully cringe moments like Jamie Kennedy presenting an E3 in 2007 and seemingly making a little bit of a mess out of it. Yeah, if we're being nice, uh, yeah, that was that was a bit of a cringe fest that happened there in 2007. I um, know. Yeah. I feel bad for all of the backlash, but actually, you know what? It could have been better. It could have been better, yeah. but you can say that about everything. So, like, it's fine. It's no no slight on Jamie Kennedy. Things can always go better, pal. I know. It's good. That's true. Same here, same here. But let's rewind player one. You may be asking yourself... How did E3 came to be and what did we have before? Well, before E3 was created, the video game industry didn't really have a convention to call home itself. Uh, before E3, video games were presented along with other electronic products at the Consumer Electronic Show, also known as CES. Uh, that trade show is held annually in Las Vegas. And if we're going to take some examples here, the Atari 2600 that was revealed at CES publicly first shown as well in 1977 and the NES that was also at a CES in 1985. But video games never actually seem to naturally fit into this crowd because everything else seems a little bit serious, professional or expensive when we're talking about, you know, computers or cameras or TV sets, and then all of a sudden you have something where you're you are playing. It is a electronic toy uh, in in some sense, right? So I guess I can kind of understand why it really needed its own space, really. But things actually kind of escalated, if I'm being honest here. So according to Tom Kalinsky, I don't actually know if it's Tom Kalinska. Yeah, sorry if we pronounce it wrong. Yeah, he was the CEO of Sega America. Um, in an interview, I've seen people refer to him as just Tom, so I'm just going to refer to him as Tom. Hopefully he likes being called Tom. Um, <laughs> he's been quoted as saying, the CES organizers used to put the video game industry way, way in the back. In 1999, they put us in a tent and you had to walk past all the porn vendors to find us. That particular year, it was pouring rain and the rain leaked right over our new Genesis system. I was just furious with the way CES treated the video game industry. And I felt we were a more important industry than they were actually giving us credit for. Sega did not return to CES the following year, and several other companies exited from further CES shows as well. Um, during a phone interview with the Washington Post, Tom also said, 
Right over the Sega display, there was a leak at the top of the tent. And so the water was dripping down on my new Genesis 16-bit machines. And I basically said to everybody, okay, that's it. We're never coming back here again. We're going to have our own show. Oh, yes. And good job that he did actually make that decision. Yeah. Um, it, it's quite surprising, though, yeah, that uh, it feels like... Um, Video games were being treated as the black sheep of the family. Yeah, that's true. Um, they definitely deserve a lot more respect, especially already during that time, right? It's not when they were super new. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't I don't want to be like antagonistic towards them here, but I mean like when I looked at their Wikipedia page, for example, mm -hmm. and it'll give you like highlights of the years, right? Mm -hmm. And in some years, the highlight was clearly, oh, Atari was uh, re revealed to the public, uh, you know, in this year. And that's like the only notable thing that happened in that year. Well, then I'm sorry, but why did you <laughs> relegate them to the back when in hindsight, this was like the best thing that happened to you apparently in that year? Yeah, I think in my honest opinion, probably it's not as much as a black sheep, but probably they're just being put on the same level of enthusiasm with the others while they probably deserve a little bit more hype yeah yeah i see yeah. what you mean yeah more entertainment based and yeah it's it's a bit different Fun isn't it yeah it's yeah. not like hey i'm announcing the newest version of excel and you're announcing a new zelda game it's kind of like two different things although they both will excite you the same to be fair well i would <laughs> really, I would, I would absolutely love to see like you know some brand new updates from Excel. Okay, Bill okay. Gates himself at a big presentation revealing the new interface. I'd, I'd love that to be honest with you. I think so too. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of um, Tom Kalinsky, he actually used to work for Mattel before he worked for Sega, and he was credited with reviving the Barbie and Hot Wheels brand. So we know that Tom was quite unhappy with CES, but not everyone saw eye to eye. Nintendo CEO Howard Lincoln and the senior team in Japan, for example, wanted to stick with CES, which attracted more than 100,000 attendees every year and was the world-leading consumer event at that time. Mm, yeah. And around this time, the ESA, Entertainment Software Association, Back then, it was still called Interactive Digital Software Association, or IDSA, but I will keep referring them to ESA. Yeah, that'll make it easier. Mm -hmm, yeah. That'll make it easier. Um, so ESA is formed in the US, a necessary move made by the video game industry to avoid becoming regulated by the government due to controversial games like Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, and Doom. But... Basically, they need to volunteer to create a rating system for video games. And that's how ESA was born. That's right. Yeah, self-regulate before the government will make the regulations for you. And uh, if you remember some of our older episodes, we do actually talk about this a little bit in detail. Violence in video games. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, that's not too long ago, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's also introduce as part of this uh Pat Farrell. So Pat was the founder and president of GamePro, which used to be a video game magazine. He was prepared to pitch his idea for a video game industry only trade event, which at the time still didn't have a name. And he was ready to pitch this idea to the ESA, right? So he's uh, at an Italian restaurant, eating some pasta on a Thursday, taking it easy. 
uh, preparing mentally, I'm sure, a little bit for his big pitch that he's going to give the following day, all of a sudden his assistant runs in and lets him know that, oh, by the way, the board meeting is on right now, actually. There's been some kind of like scheduling mistake oh, and no. the board is wondering where you are right now, Pat. Um, so <laughs> he rushed and basically freestyled his um, presentation a little bit with the board. He said himself, I drove up to them like a bat out of hell, says Farrell. It turned out that there had been a calendar error on his invitation to the meeting, but knowing it wasn't his fault was cold comfort. I knew those guys wouldn't be interested in excuses. But he said, I thought my pitch went well. It was only afterwards that I realized my tie was still tucked in and there was a big splash of tomato sauce on my shirt. Oh no. <laughs> he says, we quietly started pitching the vice presidents of marketing, of sales, the guys that we knew in the industry to say, hey, look, what if we gave you an alternative? And as a top consumer magazine at the time, GamePro held a lot of sway in the gaming community. It was a primary marketing tool for the mid-90s gaming companies. So the ESA realized that by holding its own trade show, it would have a way of financing its own organization because let's not uh, forget here, they're also now responsible for the ESRB rating system, right? Yes. So... Pats came up with the show's name, Electronic Entertainment Expo, with the additional idea to treat the E cubed. Um, but this wasn't included in the final product and they kind of just stuck with the E3 moniker. Yeah. CES heard of the video game industry's plans of going solo on trade shows and made their own proposals to hold a video game only trade show. Ah, yeah, of course, they had to just last minute try and sneak their way back into our hearts, didn't they, CES? I know. But no. The younger gaming companies such as EA were mostly interested in the ESA's approach though, as the ESA offered the potential to own a part of the show by becoming members of the ESA. E3 and CES both pitched their proposals to the various video game companies and only Nintendo and Microsoft remained on CES's side. Most of the industry was on board for video games to have its own dedicated trade event, including Sony and Sega. E3 found available space at the Los Angeles Convention Center during a time which coincided with dates for CES. This was effectively forcing a choice on Nintendo and Microsoft now, which exhibition they want to attend to. It can only be one of the two, right? Was it going to be E3 or CES? Eventually CES just gave up and Gary J. Shapiro informed Pat Farrell that he basically won and E3 was born featuring nearly 700,000 square feet of exhibition space to video games alone. And there you have it, the first E3. So the first E3 was held from the 11th of May to the 13th of May back in 1995. And it was held at its traditional location, the Los Angeles Convention Center. Um, presenters and keynote speakers included Nintendo, Sega, Sony, but many notable manufacturers, publishers, and developers exhibited games, including Atari, Microsoft, EA, Activision, Capcom, Namco, LucasArts, and many more. They all deserve mentioning, but I really don't want to read out all of them because we'll be here all day if that's the case, mm. right? Yeah. But you know what? JP did count um, the number of notable games exhibited, according to Wikipedia, 
There were like 103, is that right? Yeah, it, it was 103. And so I counted them all just to see. That, and that's only the notable games. That's not all of the games. That's yeah. just the notable ones. The memorable ones. Yeah. yeah. But in total, 180 booths were booked um, in the first E3. Man, that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, it must be big, right? Um, but yeah, showing the companies around the Los Angeles Convention Center and where their booth would stand... Pat also said, when I got to Nintendo, Howard Lincoln and all the top brass were there. I showed them the floor plan and they wanted to be in the middle of the South Hall. And Pat said, sorry, we sold that to Sega and Sony. He was enjoying that power move, wasn't he? No. I know, I yeah. think he was like... Rubbing it in. Rubbing it in. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and he said, I was basking in the glory. You guys backed the wrong horse. So, <laughs> yeah, I can understand. He must feel good at this point. So Pat pointed at a little booth space in the corner of the South Hall and asked Nintendo if they were interested. But they didn't find it funny. They had to take the West Hall instead, but they were not happy about it. Mm. For the first E3, though, the top moment was the showdown between Sega and Sony, both preparing to give details about their new console launches. Sega held their conference first. CEO Tom Kalinske announces that they already shipped 30,000 Sega Saturns for immediate release and would be retailing at $399. Setting the bar high there, isn't he? They're shipping right now as we speak. Okay, I okay. Know. 30,000, ready to go now. Retailing at 399. Retailing at 399, yes. But president of Sony Interactive Entertainment, Steve Race, fully took advantage of the situation and gave an amazing presentation. So he was called to the stage saying like, um, here we go, Steve Race will give presentation. A brief statement. A brief statement, a brief presentation, yeah. yes. And he got up to the stage and he only said, 2.99. And the crowd went wild. Yeah, and he just ended his presentation there. Yeah, $100 cheaper than a Sega Saturn. And my goodness, was video gaming expensive back in those days? I, I mean, know. this was before, like, inflation, right? Yes, and that was definitely a mic drop moment, though. Oh, yeah, this set a bar. This set a high bar for future E3 events to come. Oh, definitely. The official attendance numbers were at 55,000 for the first E3, and the event was for industry professionals, retailers, and the press only. But um, Pat believes that even more people managed to get in by showing seemingly relevant business cards. In the aftermath of its first year, E3 was already regarded as the biggest event in the video game industry. But things would take a little bit of time to settle in properly. So a Japanese version of E3 did not go according to plan the following year. And the convention for 97 and 98 were actually held at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta instead. Because E3 at the time failed to renegotiate for the convention space at LA Convention Center. However, E3 was a huge success, though other gaming conventions actually saw higher attendance numbers um, 
Germany's Gamescom, for example, uh, sees upwards of 300,000 people visit, yeah. But E3 was different because it was for industry professionals only. And it's still, even though there was no access to the public, it was still very much... Um, the public is, you know, eating up all this information in magazines, in the internet, maybe some gaming TV shows, that they're soaking in all of E3 as well once per year. In 2006, the ESA announced that E3 would be downsized to not dilute the vendor's ability to reach out to their target audience, retailers and journalists. Too many attendees who were not professionals were showing up and exhibitors were spending between 5 and 10 million dollars per booth on space alone already at this point. Yeah, I can't believe they weren't that happy seeing so many people. Yeah, so there, there needs to be a, a really good mixture of things because the more people you have, the the less um, the right people are getting connected, right? And That's true. Yeah, because it's one of the big things at these trade events. You get direct access to some of the developers, publishers, manufacturers. Mm. Um, the journalists get an idea of, you know, what is it that you want us to focus on? Like, what is your company? What is your biggest thing that you're bringing to us in the next year, in the next three years? Um, in 2007 and 2008, E3 was renamed to E3 Media and Business Summit, and attendance was capped at 5,000 and 10,000 attendants. And I just want you guys to keep those dates in mind right now, 2007, 2008, this kind of era. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a little bit. ESA was very harshly criticized, however, for making the number of attendants so drastically small. And this included consumers being like entirely eliminated now from the expo and also the external media coverage of the events was very sparse. Mm -hmm. There's very little things coming out of E3 now. And it was very obvious for E3 they had to kind of find a middle ground now because otherwise what's the point of you existing, right? Um, Activision also dropped a bomb in 2008 when they announced that they will not be attending that year's E3, only citing due to business reasons. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting to note is the impact of E3 on the economy of LA as well. Uh, so I saw an article from The Verge and it shows the attendance of E3 and some economic factors uh, for the years 2009 until 2019. So this is real interesting. So we can see here uh, the number of people attending E3, the economic impact on the city of LA. So how much money did if we inject into the economy and also for some of the years the amount of hotel nights that were associated with people visiting e3 over the three days right so for i'm going to go with 2011 because we've got all of the metrics here for that year so in 2011 for example we had 46,000 people attend e3 and that gave the city of la an extra 25 million dollars boost to their economy and it gave hotels 25,000 nights worth of stays. So you can imagine like just how big of an event E3 actually is as well by those mm -hmm. numbers, right? 2019, let's take another look. So we had 66,100 people attend. That was a economic boost to LA, $83 million. Oh, wow. And 29,000 hotel nights. That's a big contribution. And that's the last physical event of E3, right, in, in 2019. So we can see that even on the last event, it did actually have such a big impact still to LA. Oh, yeah, definitely mm. did, yeah. 
So if you remember, going back a little bit to 2007, 2008, um, and about the backlash, E3 finally decided that they need to return to a more open format. They still kept the attendance, though, but it's at 45,000 instead of 5,000 or 10,000. And they still decide to actually close to the public to try to achieve that balance between not too high of attendance, but also reaching the right people. Starting in 2013, more companies decided to move on from E3, notably Nintendo and EA. Nintendo, since 2011, they held their own in-house Nintendo Directs. In 2016, E3 started to experiment again with the public. At first, they held a separate but free E3 live event nearby, but that was found to be underwhelming by the 20,000 attendees. In 2017, the ESA made 15,000 tickets available to buy to the public. In total, more than 68,000 people attended. But E3 was starting to become incredibly crowded at this point. Yeah, so as you will remember, I asked you specifically player one to remember 2007 and 2008. Remember those dates. And I'm going to explain why, because there's been quite a bit of controversy surrounding the top brass the fat cats over at ESA. So on May 17th, 2007, Mike Gallagher replaced Doc Lowenstein as president of the ESA. In 2019, Variety magazine released an article that digs deep into why the board of directors lost confidence in Mike. They cited several issues they had with Mike over the years, including a toxic work environment in which he encouraged fighting between the subordinates and sending them belittling messages. He also fired a high-level employee in favor of a newcomer that he preferred. When Donald Trump was elected in 2016, Mike tried to align the ESA with Trump's policies and the board initiated an investigation. Mike Gallagher stood down on October 3rd, 2018 and then Senior Vice President Stanley Pierre-Louis served as interim president and was eventually elected as permanent president and CEO. The Variety magazine article continues, In the past six months alone, half of the association's leadership have either quit or been fired, and a survey of member companies conducted by Variety shows waning faith in the organization and its efforts. An internal survey obtained by Variety also indicates a lack of trust by the general public of the game industry. Gallagher's hiring came at a time when the video game industry was still looked down upon by many inside the DC Beltway, and violence in video games was typically the only reason politicians discussed the game industry. Wow, yeah, that's quite a lot of controversy. Yeah, a toxic work environment and getting your subordinates to fight against each other. I've, I, When I read the article, it also tells of like how he would say things like, oh, if the people you manage haven't had burnout in the last three years, then you're not working them hard enough. Wow. Yeah, like that's that's like a direct quote that he said, you know. Well, E3 was certainly an integral part of the ESA, though. Not just because of the publicity um, that the show provides the game industry, but also the money it provides the ESA. According to the association's 2016 tax filing, the trade show made up about 48% of the ESA's entire annual budget. In 2019, Sony announced it would no longer continue to exhibit at E3, 
having previously been to all E3 since launch. The companies attending and supporting E3 was slowly eroding at this point. Yeah, it started like 10 years prior already with Activision, I believe, in 2008. I think that's what it kind of already started, like slowly dropping off. Mm -hmm. But um, it was a slow, steady road towards erosion, I think, for E3, if that makes sense. It didn't all just happen overnight. It was kind of slowly crumbling. Yeah, and basically between 2017 and 2019, E3 ended up losing nearly a third of all its exhibitors. And this is made worse by the controversy that happened in 2019. So in 2019, a data leak on the ESA's website caused a major controversy. Because um, at first there were 2,000 and then later an additional 6,000 attendees of E3 events would have their personal data made freely available to the wider internet resulting in some journalists reporting receiving death threats. That doesn't sound good. Now, uh, what would you do if accidentally a company just starts telling people online over the internet, hey, this is who you are, this is your name, this is your address, this is your telephone number, this is the company you work for? Imagine how many spam calls you're going to get. Hey. <laughs> and yeah, by the end of E3 2019, it was confirmed that E3 would be held for at least another year. But in truth, attendees may not have realized they were attending the last ever physical E3 event. On March 11, 2020, the ESA announced that E3 2020 had been cancelled due to the pandemic, and a virtual event would take place instead. The virtual event was also cancelled by April 7th. The ESA told the disruption caused by the COVID-19 pandemic made it impossible to host a virtual event. So they went ahead with E3 2021. Original plans included a mix of both in-person and virtual events, but in February it was announced that in-person events were completely cancelled. The event received mixed reception from the gaming community. If anything, it was more of a demonstration of why E3 was never going to survive at this point. Streaming presentations for games and consoles could be made standalone by publishers themselves. Yeah, we are coming towards the inevitable now. Um, E3 2022 was planned as an in-person event, and rumors had it that the ESA knew since late 2021 already that they would cancel E3, but it wasn't until March 31st, 22 that they announced they had fully cancelled E3 22, again citing COVID-19 issues for this. Uh, but the hope truly does die last. In June 2022, the ESA still advised there would be another E3 in 2023. But when January came around, Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft all advised they would not be exhibiting at E3 this year for various different reasons. But essentially all boiling down to not requiring E3 anymore. In September 2023, the E3 for 2024 was formally announced to be cancelled, though ESA stated they were still in talks with their partners about a possible 2025 reimagining, they definitely were no longer looking at the LA Convention Center to hold it. On December 12, 2023, it was official. E3 was laid to rest, and the ESA cited, the new opportunities our industry has 
to reach funds and partners. Oh, we didn't get to visit E3. Yeah, that's something like worth mentioning as well, because 2017, they kind of started opening up for the public. Yep. But I mean, if you saw E3 in the magazines as a kid, if you wanted to go there, this wasn't just something of like an adult endeavor, like, oh, when I have money, I can go visit one day. It was going to be a professional career investment if you wanted to be there in person yeah yeah together with industry professionals and all that so no yeah definitely it's um it's always said to be pretty exclusive but yeah it's just another rest in peace in video games industry yeah that's right i mean other um conventions are definitely kind of taking over that cultural impact E3 had for gamers. Of course, yeah. So we got Summer Game Fest, but then also the Game Awards, obviously. And mm-hmm. I think they're kind of soaking up what E3 left behind in its wake. Yeah, and a lot of individual developers event, right? Well, developers slash publishers event, like Ubisoft event, for example. Yeah, the Game Developers Conference. Yeah, to be fair, there are many more events that's also intended to do what E3 did, but it's never going to be that big anymore. E3 was the hotspot. Exactly. Especially for, for those companies in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Japanese always had the Tokyo Game Show as well. Yeah. And then, you know, Nintendo and Sony and Sega closer to home. I think E3 for the rest of the world was probably like the center stage for big major game announcements. Mm-hmm. And those months in May and June, you were just coming to expect this is when I find out what's going to be happening for the next one year, this is it. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, Player One, and enjoyed the journey through the history of E3. New episodes of Gaming History Club are released every second Wednesday, so make sure you subscribe and follow us on our social media. Say hi to us by visiting our website, gaminghistory.club, and let us know what topics you'd like to hear. Or let us know what you think about E3 or about video games convention in general. Time for my E3. Time to expedite this epic escape. See what I did there. Come back in a couple of weeks, player one. We look forward to seeing you next time for Neurodiversity Celebration Week. See ya.